0: Look, I'm a big believer that experience teaches. My goal with this show is to have guests to share their experience so that they can tell you what it's like, what they did right, and what they did wrong. And I'm gonna share the same. Look, I'm not trying to regurgitate stuff you can find on the internet. I'm gonna tell you
1: how it really is and what it's really like to own your own place. This is the National Restaurant Owners Podcast with your host, Kyle and Sarah.
0: I'm gonna keep it real with you guys. A lot of you need a new website, a lot of you. And by a lot, I mean most of you need a new website, which is why I have partnered with Bento Box to help you do just that. They provide uh, a full service setup that brings agency level design online in days at a fraction of the cost. And just because you're a listener of the show, you can also receive 50% off your setup fees by clicking the link in my bio and entering the code FOU6 in the how did you hear about Bento Box section. Again, that's code FOU6, Bento box. own your presence, own your profits, own your relationships. Tap the Table is the world's fastest online ordering platform. Sell your food, merch, and event tickets fast and frictionlessly on the most popular social media channels, including Facebook and Instagram. Converting comments into customers is what made Tap the Table famous in the F&B tech space. Tap the Table allows your restaurant to automatically convert the comments you get on social media into cash build your list and own your data with tap the table your supercharged social media will automatically begin working for you by building your own list and allowing you to own your own data automatically build that list through direct sales on social media and even through third-party delivery services like uber eats and doordash for a risk-free 60-day trial dm me ttt for a special promo code today Welcome back to the National Restaurant Owners Podcast. And if this is your first time, welcome. Because what you just stumbled upon is the number one and fastest growing podcast for independent restaurant owners in the country. All right? So you're either late to the party, which, you know, we'll, we'll forgive you. Or you're just like, you know what? It's time. It's time I check it out, and you got lucky. I don't know what it is, but I'm just happy that you're here, man. I'm really happy that you're here. And while you're here, plug, 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 <laughs> I'm going to um, just give you the heads up and remind you, if you guys have been here before, uh, that the network is up and active, the National Restaurant Owners Network. It has been, let's just say it's been popping. Does that <laughs> Does that age me? Does that age me if I say it's been popping? I don't know if it does, but it's been off to a good start. Let's put it that way. It's lit. It's lit. That's what the kids say. But you know what? I got to say it's popping because I looked at my demographics. I look at my analytics for the show. And I think you guys know what popping is, if, if you know what I mean. You know, a little bit a little bit older than I thought. It's all right. I'm, I'm right there with you. Um. hope you guys are doing well hope you guys are excited tomorrow's St. Patrick's Day. <clears throat> and I just got to tell you this is one of one of the top I'll say top 10 but probably top 5 pet peeves I have with restaurants is are rather the ones the restaurants that do corned beef and cabbage that are not Irish. Stop it. Stop it. It's not that good. It's not that good. And are you making that much money? I think you're doing more damage to your brand by doing corned beef and cabbage than you are anything else. If you're not an Irish restaurant. Or if you're not a pub and that's your thing. I mean, you know if you're a corned beef and cabbage type of place. Let's just leave it there. And I know, I know, I know There are some bougie corned beef and cabbage. And look, I could get down with some corned beef and cabbage with some mustard. But ultimately, I think it's not the best thing I've ever had. Let's put it that way. (laughs) um but let's shift gears the network you guys got to get in there it is um just getting started so we're just kind of launching some things some new initiatives as they say planning on getting some guests in there some that you will most likely recognize from the show uh as the first round so let's um let's get signed up the link is in the bio and um it's real easy. Yes, there's a cost associated with it. it's $35 a month, it's about a buck a day, I think you guys can swing it. That really just <laughs> that that pays for uh, the, the network to be up. That's what it's for. No one's no one's getting no one's getting rich over here. This is really just in the intent is to create a community where you guys can just dive in and get to know each other and get information from one another. Unlike in any other place that you can not on linkedin not on instagram this is a place where we can all get together and just kind of shoot the shit so check it out if you have any problems and you don't like it just drop it just say fuck it i don't want to do this it's not worth the 35 bucks you're know, my feelings go put it towards something else but i think you should give it a shot um link is in my bio that fun stuff but today this man's in the network he may be may very well be hit up right after i record this to uh do something in the network, which I know he'd be down for because he's down. This dude is, he is a a restaurant guy. He's an industry guy, but you know what? He's fucking smart. He's onto something. Now, you guys know, obviously, if you've listened to this before, my intros are always off the top of my head. My dog is snoring in the back. You probably hear that. (laughs) I am just doing these intros off the top of my head, but he is onto something that's so unique. I need to read exactly what he does so his company's called what's well, let's, let's say his name first his name is Jim Taylor he is the founder of Benchmark 60 and basically what it is I'm gonna, I'm gonna read it. I told you I'm gonna read it, I'm gonna read it Benchmark 60 was born out of a career in hospitality spanning over 20 years all the while realizing the old way of doing things by trying to chip away cut staff or hope for higher sales just wasn't working anymore. Benchmark 60 is the only service provider in the hospitality space that uses a growth strategy. Rather than focusing on ways to save labor dollars, cut in in order to hit a percentage or cut corners, we use, they use, Benchmark 60 uses, a proprietary method based on increasing productivity and output there's really so much more to it i'm gonna let him explain it this is jim taylor from benchmark 60 check it out all right guys welcome back to the national restaurant owners podcast today we have jim taylor the founder and ceo of benchmark 60 and an old school restaurant owner is that right old school that's not a bad term it's just a like let people know like where you stand like i know my shit here dude so uh he joining us from vancouver canada today uh, Jim, thanks for uh, making this happen.
1: Yeah, man, thanks for having me. It's good to be here.
0: Yeah, I know it was a little, a little bumpy to get this scheduled, but you know, it has gotten to be, you know, this podcast thing for me was like a quarantine project, and now it kind of like launched into like a part-time job. So, trying our best here. So, thanks for be- <laughs> being patient. Yeah, no
1: well, and, and let's be honest. I mean, at this point, if if restaurant people can't relate to bumpy, I mean, that's what <laughs> we are all about right now, right? So. Yeah, if you want out. smooth,
0: you're in the wrong business and you have the wrong podcast. Yeah. <laughs> this is not it. No, i um, So what's going on? What's up going on in Vancouver these days with the restaurants?
1: Yeah, it, it, They're just busy, man. I mean, people just want to go out. I think it's hey, that's what I keep hearing everywhere. Where people keep saying things like, you know, we're busier than we were in 2019. I mean, very differently um, busy. But so many places, that, that, especially if they could get enough people to come to work every day, they'd just be smoking 2019. But... Um, you know, we're lucky we don't have too much restriction here, but it's, things are busy everywhere you go. There's a wait list. So. Wow.
0: So no yeah. restrictions on dining, not like dining outside in those heated igloos or anything like that. It's all indoor yeah, dining pretty, mask, or what What's the, what's the deal when you walk into a restaurant in Vancouver right now?
1: So right now you, you got to wear a mask uh, yeah. um, and you, we, they're on this whole vaccine passport thing, just like so many other places, right? Oh, so yeah. you show that. Yep, I mean, yep. we were out for dinner on New Year's Eve and just kind of, made a reservation like normal, rolled in a little bit of plexiglass and, and, you know, we had a normal dinner. So, um, you know, not like some of the other parts of Canada where, where they can't do that right now, unfortunately, but you know, we're pretty lucky here. So places yeah. are able to make some money. Yeah, I was talking to um, my contact over at Seven Chefs, one
0: of the sponsors of the show the other day, oh, yeah. asked her the same question. And they're in Toronto. And she was like, Oh, no, we're shut down. Like, it just came down. Like, it, we're, we're shut down for like, wow, I didn't even realize didn't realize that that was that was going on up there. So, what's the difference? Like, the, is it just more rural where you are, or why is there such a disparity? I guess in in what's happening. No, I mean,
1: it, it's just a, a different view in the you know the way the government views it. I mean, we're we we haven't had quite the the spike in cases, um, mm. which has helped a little bit. But you know, they closed gyms here, which is the big one that's kind of going on right now. But you know, it's crazy. People keep talking about this the great resignation and how people are leaving our industry and stuff like that. The the thing that's scary about what's happening in Ontario right now. People are just leaving the province, like whether or not they leave the industry, they're just saying I'm out because it just keeps you know they keep getting locked down. So you know I know oh, yeah. people who just said I'm out, they just moved away from Toronto.
0: Where did they go? Further up, like further now, away, where it's more
1: probably more here. Space? Probably <laughs> here. You know they're just leaving the yeah. province. They're coming to you know go move to Calgary, move to Vancouver. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe move, maybe trying to move to the states.
0: Yeah, I mean I guess that's not that dissimilar. What's happening in you know people are like I'm out of New York. I'm moving to Florida mm-hmm. where. Apparently COVID doesn't exist in Florida, um, but like, um, yeah. yeah, I guess that makes sense. So, uh, well, that's good to hear. I mean, I hear the same things that restaurants are busier, you know, the they're, they're people are just dying to get out and eat this uh, eat and hang out and be with their friends. So um, yeah. it's good to hear that's happening up there, but I'm also interested to talk about the fact that people are also not wanting to return to work in Canada. So it's the same vibe.
1: It's the same vibe. It's, it's crazy to see how, you know, every restaurant operator that I talk to, at least for the most part, their people, you know, pre-pandemic had worked for them for maybe a couple of years or, you know, that year or two years kind of thing that we normally get in in restaurants. And now it's like everybody's worked here for four months. So that person that used to be really good at training our new staff, they don't know, you know, they don't have the experience. So it's changing the dynamic of that whole, you know, how do you hire, not just hire new people, but how do you train new people? Yeah. You know, I, I was talking to a, an operator actually in the UK yesterday, and they've never really even had this this training culture of how to get new uh employees onboarded they never had that to begin with so now they're they've got this (laughs) influx of new people in the industry and they have no idea how to train them it's it's going to be you know this next sort of wave of of the you know the employee challenge is going to be how to get all these new people that have never worked in restaurants trained
0: yeah, that's. I mean, I know how frustrating that was. If you had one person working a shift who like didn't know where to return the sugar caddies to, you're like, oh, yeah. Gee, no. yeah. So, like having a whole staff, that's yeah, that is extremely stressful. It means it, it falls on the management or falls on the owners. Are you seeing owner uh, managers like also jumping ship, going to places that have their shit together, or just saying like I'm out of here? Is it kind of like industry wide, or is it more just like front of the house, back of the house staff? Uh,
1: I, I think it's industry wide. I think um, you know mm-hmm. I've been trying to help a few places in Vancouver here recruit people management wise, and it's it's tough you either find people I'm getting sort of one and I'm not a recruiter by any means, but I'm, you know, I'm getting one of two responses. Either I'm really happy where I'm at because they take really good care of me or I'm leaving the industry. So thanks for the offer kind of thing. It's, you know, where two, three years ago, people would, you know, listen to a good opportunity and it's, it's, there's so many layers to the whole labor shortage thing, right? It's crazy.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. The industry was known as being the place where people would jump ship for an extra dollar an hour. Mm -hmm. And now they're just like, nah, not worth it. So, I mean, that's that's why this is deeper, I think, than what most people are saying, because at first it was at least here in the States was, well, they're all getting, you know, that free money. Why would they come in and make the same amount of money, expose themselves, expose their families? And I totally get it. Um, but to me now, it's speaking to a larger issue that you might have at your restaurant, right? Like people don't want to work for you because they don't want to work for you. I mean, you see in that too, is that that's what they're saying, right? It's not about money. It's about I want to work for a place that
1: i vibe with yeah a place that um you know i made a a comment to someone the other day it it created some good healthy debate but i I said (laughs) i don't actually think it's a labor shortage i think it's a culture shortage
0: Mm. yeah totally uh, culture you mean like the restaurant doesn't these restaurants are lacking culture so it means nobody wants to work there
1: yeah i mean you you go in there you you don't get you show up on your first day to be a server they hand you a tray they say here's the menu go figure it out you have experience in what you're doing right (laughs) that's (laughs) your I mean, that just doesn't, uh, it doesn't work anymore. Right. No. So there's a, there's a shortage of culture in so many restaurants and they're, you know, they're just notorious for sort of doing things the old school way and, and, you know, running through it and, and people aren't cool with that anymore.
0: Are you seeing people take advantage, like industry professionals, like I'm really going to leverage this into an opportunity. Cause I think about that too. Like on the flip side, if you're a, a lifer in this industry that you, you have, you can call some shots right now. You're in a very good position to make a move Are you seeing anybody doing that type of stuff.
1: A few, um, I, I have one, uh, I guess, client, you know, group that we work with and and they've had a couple of, it's actually almost like union type stuff, right? Where they're Like a group of kitchen staff, or like if we don't get a raise, we're out, like all oh, of us. And I mean, wow. as an operator, what do you do in that scenario, right? You, your hands are tied, right? You can't oh my operate. God. So they kind of, they go, okay, you know, what are we going to do? But um, there's going to be some really cool innovation and creativity come out of this stuff too, in terms of how, you know, take care of people and compensate and, You know, make it make it a cool place to be again.
0: Yeah, because the argument they're always saying, like, well, I I can't pay you more and you know, I I, that's I can't pay you more even if that is what you want and my culture is good or having a hard time paying you. But I think this is forcing a lot of restaurants. You tell me if you disagree to look at everything in their operation, like where they can save money. Do I really need to be spending money on this type of linen? Do I really need this big of a wine list? Do I really need this many things in my menu? Are restaurants looking at it more like holistically like that?
1: Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, the perfect example, I think, is is paper menus. Right. Yeah. The company that I used to work for spent like, I don't know, 10 grand per location across the country a year on paper menus between printing and shipping <laughs> and menu design. Oh, and all that yeah, stuff, right? I mean, right there, any restaurant tour you go, hey, you want to get away from saving or, you know, get away from printing menus and save a bunch of money a year. The, the QR code has given them that opportunity. Right. So yeah. I think they're definitely looking at that kind of stuff just differently and, and, you know, setting, you know, even different napkins or different tablecloth, like all that kind of stuff. Yeah. There's opportunities yeah. so, in so many ways.
0: But Then so. it's tough because you don't want to like just chintz out on everything. Right. Cause then you're going to realize, then everything's going to, you go back to that place and you're like, Oh, they never used to have this, these crappy napkins. They used to have nice napkins and like, so yeah. it's a tough decision. Like you can't sacrifice your touch points for dollars because then you're like saving nickels and losing like $5 a head out the door because you, you, it's not, not what it was. Yeah. Crazy, man. So, tough, tough times, man.
1: It's so, the interesting thing, too, that, you know, I see going on in the States with wages just in terms of trying to hire people. Um, because what is it? I think Massachusetts just is going to $15 an hour. I think yeah. New York probably already yeah. there. California is, you know, just above that now. It's it's interesting watching from Canada because we went through that whole $15 an hour thing like six or seven years ago. Hmm. Where all the provinces really? across the country said, "Okay, you've got you know two years to get to fifteen bucks an hour, kind of thing, uh, yeah. with no tip credits," because in the states, all those tip credit things make it a little easier, right? Canada was just yeah. whether you make tips or not, you're fifteen bucks an hour as a minimum. So it, wow. it forced a lot of companies to look at things differently. Um, it doesn't make you know COVID any easier on them, but you know it's it's interesting now to watch what's happening in the US with how operators are trying to afford that fifteen dollar wage or higher.
0: Yeah, I mean, I mean, we, we had the warning. The warning was there, this is what's gonna happen. Um, and at the time, I mean, things that are implemented now, like you mentioned the QR codes, there's like Stratus Morpho in the Brooklyn dumpling shop doing like auto mats, there's yeah. all sorts of things. Like I, I never go to McDonald's. My daughter's having like a rough day the other day. I'm like, I'm taking her to McDonald's. She just, let's just, maybe this will help, I don't know. And um, it didn't, um, but there's nobody there. It's just these giant like ATM digital, like digital screens and you just yeah. order yourself, they call your number you pick it up so all the technology was clearly there and we just kind of weren't putting a focus on it this was a major change like i know everyone talks about it but it is such a major change and it's an odd dynamic because like i post a lot of stuff on social media and they'll say oh well maybe if you paid people more mm-hmm. we would come in or you respected us more we would come in but they're not and then mm-hmm. robots come in and they
1: take it. They're like, oh,
0: now you have robots taking our jobs. It's like, buddy, what, what do you want? What do you want them to do? Do you want the mm-hmm. job? No, we don't need the technology. If you do yeah, want- the
1: interesting thing too about that, you know, it's not just about paying the employees more. It's about, because if you pay the employees more, you got to pay the manager more. Yep. Otherwise the employees will never, because I don't know about you, but when I got into management, I was just the, I was a server. I was a bartender and they said, hey, you want to, here's the keys. You want to lock up tonight?" That's how <laughs> I got into management. <laughs>
0: That's, right. what Ken and McGarr- and that's, that's what Ken McGarry calls a surprise manager. Surprise yeah, totally. manager now,
1: Yeah. Right. And, yeah. And, uh, and, you know, then they convinced me to take on a salary, which was probably a bit of a pay cut at the time, right? But if you don't pay the manager more, now the staff won't take that leap. So there's a gap there. Yeah. You know, so there's, yeah, there's so much, uh, there's so many layers to that. So, so many dynamics to it. And, you know, what Stratus is doing is really cool. And you know what, uh, um, you know, some of the, even McDonald's and stuff like that with, with um, technology. But, you know, the, we went through a, an example with handhelds, like using iPads a couple of years ago, pre COVID, where we thought, yeah. okay, this is just going to save us a ton of money. We'll invest yeah. in, in, a, in more technology. It'll give people, big people, bigger sections, but it didn't really do that directly. It added yeah. tech cost. Yep. You know, there was repairs, there was all these different things. So there's, there's so many layers to it.
0: Yeah. I mean, a lot of times that's, we talked about this a couple of times with different guests on the show is, all those tech costs—they add up. Like mm-hmm. you, you—the goal may be to save five percent on your liquor cost by reducing inventory turnover, whatever, whatever it is. And but you're like, but well, you're paying three hundred bucks a month for the software. If you're not yeah. using it right, you got to be careful, right? It's the pieces of paper going out the door here. It doesn't matter where you're spending them. It's it's, it's yeah. It's a, there's just so many things that it it used to be like you got to be the chief cook, bottle washer, and and all that mm-hmm. stuff. Now we had like five more different hats to that. Yeah, right. You gotta be the tech guy, you gotta be a yeah, so marketing genius. New
1: engineer. Yeah, all of yeah
0: exactly right. You gotta be a DJ, make sure the music's always right. Um, so when did you get out of the restaurant game?
1: Uh fall twenty twenty.
0: Oh, so recently, so year, recently. Half,
1: year and a oh, half ago, yeah. yeah. Just uh I, I did the whole, you know, they tell you not to do too many major life changes at once, right? And uh, <laughs> I got married moved across the country, quit my job, started a business all in 60 days. And most of it, well, I should, I should be careful. I didn't get married by accident, but the rest of it would kind of just happened almost by accident.
0: We can cut that part out. We can yeah. that out. She's not going to listen. Yeah. Um, so you, so you just were like, you needed a change. You wanted to get out or was it like some situation where you had to get out? No, I
1: just, I, it, it sort of was one of those, you know, it's just time to make a change. And I, I, uh, I wanted to just try to be able to make a bigger impact on the industry, right? You just—I yeah. was really lucky that I—I I was kind of sheltered. I worked for a big corporate group for my entire restaurant. I worked for the same company for twenty years, and uh, you know, learned oh, wow. a ton and, and had a, a cool run. But I just, you know, through training management and you know, working on on uh, you know growth strategy with groups and and finance management, all that kind of stuff, I was just going, man, you know, I talked to the first restaurant that I I worked with outside of the corporate group. I said, are you guys making money right now? And the owner goes, I think so. There's money in the bank. And I went, if this is how the rest of the industry is, there's we can help. Like, there's I, I just wanted to be able to make an impact. So
0: yeah, but we went. That's kind of like what that's how I feel is you know, I wasn't quite the guy who didn't know if we were making money, but I knew that I was in a situation where this should not be this hard. Like mm-hmm. if somebody there's not a, you know, there's not like we work in the same office and I can go down the hall and like, Hey Jim, I'm struggling with this issue here with my restaurant. It's a yeah. very lonely existence. And I feel like, you know, I'll get ripped on this for social too. They're like, Oh, well you failed to do this. Why should I listen to you? I'm like, because I'm telling you that this is because I fixed it. Like you, you should listen to these mistakes and it, it's just a, it can be a scary place to, to either be working for a place or own your own place and yeah. you're just paying people just, and it's like the same thing, but you're not accumulating any money. You're not really sure if you've been making money, or people are stealing mm-hmm. from you. So, I mean, how does, so let's back up. When you moved over, started the country, was that Benchmark 60 or is it something else?
1: Yeah, that was, that was Benchmark 60. Yeah, and it, it kind of, to be totally honest with you, man, I, I thought I was going to be a restaurant consultant, mm. which we're not really, right. you know, but I just, I thought I was going to be a consultant by accident because some people asked me for some help. You know, I knew I wanted to make an impact and try and help in different ways. And a few people reached out and said, you know, my restaurant's getting destroyed through COVID. I need some help. So I guess I'm a restaurant consultant, right? Like literally, that's how it happened. And then, you know, realized that I, I, we wanted to specialize quickly and, and get a really good niche of what exactly it is that we do and that kind of thing. And so, yeah, that's where sort of Benchmark 60 was born. It it, uh, it just kind of came through not wanting to be a generalist more than anything.
0: So what? So how do you, with your clients at Benchmark 60... What is the, what are they coming to you and what do you hope to solve for them?
1: So you made a comment a minute ago about getting ripped on social. I get, I get um, some good discussion about this one too. Spirited debates. Yeah. Spirited. (laughs) Uh, A belief of, of ours at benchmark 60 is that labor cost as a percentage of revenue is the reason why restaurants have a cultural issue and can't Mm. find staff.
0: What do you mean? Measuring labor
1: cost as a percentage is the number one cause for stress and anxiety for people who work in restaurants.
0: I don't disagree, but tell tell me more.
1: So any I mean, think about it. Any decision that was made by a chef, by a manager, by a GM, almost all of them are one way or another directly related to, to that percentage. Right. They're trying to hit that target. So I find in my own personal experience and so many people we talk to their, their manage their labor cost management strategy goes something like hope it's busy on Monday. Mm-hmm. If it's not busy, you cut, mm-hmm. you hope the percentage is where you want it to be the next day. If it's not, you cut harder the following day and you hope that Friday and Saturday are busy to bring that number down for the week.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. Sounds so um, I was involved in a project in 2015 What I mentioned to you a minute ago, about $15 wages. I was involved in a project with a bunch of analysts and, you know, a, a cross-functional sort of case study thing where we looked at the whole restaurant profit model and found out that it's like less than ten percent of the time a manager actually hits their target day to day. We did a some case study yeah, on right. all. The, what's that?
0: That's interesting. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Well, that's interesting to look at. Like, how is this, this shit actually working? Is
1: yeah, is that it's a guessing
0: game. Yeah, right.
1: Okay, guessing. Game. Cool. Sorry. We go. also yeah. found that there's direct correlation between um, mental health and labor cost management, i.e turnover, stress, Mm -hmm. you know, people had a discussion with an operator the other day who they were talking about how low their labor cost was on a Friday and how great it looked. And the GM goes, yeah, but I had to bartend the whole night and two staff quit because they had 20 table sections. Yeah. So that number looked good and we were profitable, but it wasn't good.
0: No. And that's that's a great point. Like it's, yeah, we could be at 5% payroll, but it doesn't mean it's going to be a great night. Right. I mean, sales might be good, but they're not coming back because we were
1: awful. So we teach a, a metric of, of productivity or a, a way to actually measure output of the of the business mm-hmm. that eliminates all of the variables that you can't control with labor costs. So, mm. we, you know, I think I mentioned this to you earlier, but we're kind of the the sort of nerdy term is that we're like a data coaching service. We teach restaurant operators how to use information in order to leverage their productivity in the business. And mm-hmm. it helps to negate all those rising costs. So what is the strategy that we use to negate $15 minimum wage in Canada in 2015?
0: So is this a, like an algorithm or like a proprietary thing? Like, how do you go about measuring this stuff?
1: Yeah, it's IP. I mean, it's, it's a, uh, it's a ratio. Essentially we can add, we can plug we can look at four pieces of data and, and it gives us a score on, on how productive the restaurant is. So once you can measure something, you can leverage it. Right. Yeah. So, you know, I, I always think about when I was in restaurants, I was always talking to people or not when I was in restaurants, when I was operating restaurants, I was always talking to people about things like, how do you give a quote time to the guest at the front door? Mm. Right? How do you, question, and if, yeah. if the quote time is too long and they say they're going to leave, what do you do? Mm-hmm. Or how long does it take to flip a table and get it clean and reset? Or how long does it take to get French fries? Right? Yep. Restaurants measure all of those things. Well, sorry, they don't measure them. They work on those things. Yeah. They talk about those things. Yeah, yeah. They, have, they're aware, they may have yeah. a strategy for those things, but they don't mm-hmm. have a way to measure if their efforts are working. Mm-hmm. So let's say I'm the manager who goes to work the front door for two weeks to try and improve the experience for the customer and train the staff member better. Mm-hmm. Right now, most restaurants would measure success in they would hope that the sales might go up. They might hope that they see no customer complaints on the long wait times, but they really don't have a way to measure if their efforts are working, right? No. So what yeah, we do is measure. we we inject a measure of, of productivity and if their efforts are working, we'll see that increase. And when the when the output in the productivity increases in the restaurant, the costs go down your labor improves, which yeah. means you can pay people more.
0: Yeah. I mean, cause there's, I mean, even if they were aware, they're not so sure how to tackle that stuff, right? Like it's, it's, I think those are, that's really interesting because those are the little kind of things that you have to look at that are adding up over time, right? Like in one night it may be 10, we were at 10% payroll, but over time, if right. you can, yeah. it also increase the quality of your service. That's a, yeah, that's fantastic.
1: The other uh the other way i always sort of word it to people is i mean you were an owner so you, you know what this is about if i tell you you're gonna in your old little restaurant and hopefully this doesn't give you flashbacks
0: <laughs> <laughs> if i pass out just keep if, going by yourself
1: <laughs> if uh okay so you got your little restaurant you're gonna serve 20 customers from open to close today okay okay not very many Mm-mm. you open at 11 a.m you close at midnight you're only gonna serve 20 people you'd probably go i can do that myself Right, I can probably yeah. cook the food, make the drinks, you know, ring up the orders, the whole thing. Yeah. Clean up Right, because yeah. I want to save on labor cost. That's probably yeah. how I knew, you know you might think of it that way. If I tell you you're going to serve 100 people in that same time frame the next day, you might go, okay, I you know I need a bartender and someone to help cook some food, you know, maybe a chef. But the rest of it I can do too, because again, I want to manage my labor cost. Yep. What if I tell you you're going to serve 500 customers in the day? The next day, you're all of a sudden going to look at it and go, okay, I need a whole team of people i need someone seating guests someone ringing up orders all of that kind of stuff right but what if 450 of those 500 people only order water Mm. you still have to give them a good experience you still have to take good care of them you still have to make sure your staff aren't stressed out so it's really you know the way that we view it is it's really more about the relationship between the number of customers you're serving and the number of staff you have not how much they spend not revenue
0: Hmm. so the ratio yeah i mean that's that's a that's a good point because like fine dining, there's like industry standards. Like, Hey, we typically do this many covers. This is how many people we need out to provide this level of service. I mean, granted the ticket, the the average ticket is higher, but okay. Right. Yeah. So that makes sense for me. So is that, that, is that the, is that the piece where owners are like, Oh, I get it. Or like, where, where do they get stuck on this? Or are they, or they need a little bit more convincing that this is the way after so many yeah. decades of this yeah. is how it's done.
1: So we usually try to find a way. Like I said, we can measure the the productivity of the restaurant, right? Using mm-hmm. a couple of pieces of data. So usually we would go in and say, okay, we're going to help you use this information to get a five percent improvement in productivity in your business. Mm. So to give you an idea of what that presents, a three million dollar a year restaurant, which is pretty good size, right? Oh yeah. A five percent improvement in productivity puts an eighty extra eighty thousand dollars on the bottom line. And. Take that. Yeah. Right. So a million and a half restaurant, you know, a little mom and pop place that's doing pretty good. Almost 50 grand a year. There's, there's a salary.
0: Yeah. That's the money that you're not getting.
1: Right. Mm. So it's, it's interesting because in 2015, when we were doing this up in, in Canada, it was a strategy that helped us negate the rise in minimum wage. Mm -hmm. Right. But now where we're spending 90% of our time is. Don't take that 50 grand or 80 grand or whatever that amount of money is and put it in the bank, hmm. take that 50 or 80 grand and reinvest it in the restaurant. So you can pay people more so you can, you know, add benefits, find people, use it as recruiting money, actually go out and find staff. Yeah. So your restaurant can actually operate.
0: Yeah. That's and the, that's so the that, one thing that restaurant owners, I mean, historically don't get particularly the mom and pops is reinvesting in your business. They're like, Oh, I need that 50 grand for vacations and first school tuitions and car payments and all that stuff. But reinvesting, at least a portion of that, I mean, if you get paid by the bottom line and you believe in your product, reinvesting that money back in your business is a no-brainer.
1: Right. Yeah. So it's it's more about rather than looking at traditional labor cost management as a percentage of revenue, it's about generating um, increasing productivity. And if you think about, you know, currently the industry is notorious for trying to be efficient, right? Just yeah. cut hard to make ends yes. meet. Yep. Efficiencies about trying to do more with less and productivity is about trying to do more with the same actually increase output uh, which is a lot easier than a lot of places actually realize especially that's, when you can understand the information
0: that's a great point because there's so much emotion attached to a lot of that stuff like oh no we can't change that because you know Susie and tom come in every tuesday night and they love that stuff or you know we're here and uh, the school across the street loves when we do this we can't change that but right. like it, that's where the, that's what you have to do you got to be open-minded enough to to look at these things as a business and say hey you know what i might, I might have to change that it's costing me yeah, a bunch of money for sure
1: it's just a you know an innovative different way of looking at at cost management yeah and, you know there's some skepticism because it's different but that's all right
0: oh yeah i mean, for, I mean please, there, was, there were people there were people around here who reached out to me when the pandemic <laughs> came down saying they wanted to get uh, i'm like i gotta get signed up for online ordering what do i do i'm like oh you know what who's your POS provider? Like, I don't, I don't have a POS. I'm like, perfect. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's not going to work out, dude. Mm -hmm. You gotta, you gotta get in line. So yeah, these old school ways of thinking and ways of doing things are just, you gotta be say, Hey, it's not working. Let me fix it. And I think that that's a mindset too, right? Like the cost cutting thing. I was talking about this yesterday. That's such a limited belief. Like, why doesn't anybody say I have to drive more sales? I got to do more in business. Like your rents are always going to go up every year. Most likely your labor, Costs seemingly every year are going up. Your cost of goods are going up. Mm-hmm. How can you expect to do the same amount of sales and put the money in your pocket? It's just not possible. Right. you are not looking at it from the right perspective a lot of times. So if you're, it's like, cut payroll, cut this out, cut this. But why are you not, you know, marketing wise, driving more sales, looking into yeah. catering? Yeah. It's it's there's no there's no school for this stuff, and you kind of have to learn <laughs> learn along the way, which makes it a real challenge.
1: What and what are your comments? or, you know, that we discussed right at the beginning of this discussion was um, all of that cost-cutting stuff, napkins, linens, all that kind of stuff. But it's, you wonder why there's so many restaurants right now that are saying, I'm beating 2019 sales. Like, we're rolling. Mm. Our margins are shrinking. Mm. You know, they can't keep cutting or, I mean, there's nothing, no matter what the sales you do, eventually there's nothing to cut.
0: Yeah. So what would you advise, what would be a step like somebody's, you know, just a buddy of yours and they're not like, I'm not, I can't, I'm not going to sign the whole system, but what, what, what's something I could do to really get my ship in order
1: here? Well, the first thing that we tell people to do, as funny as this might sound is stop counting sales and start counting customers. Mm. And Mm. like you said, you know, certain parts of the industry do that, right. Hotel Mm. industry counts rooms um, or um, uh, vacancy, you know, that kind of thing. And, and fine dining counts covers like religiously. Yeah. Yeah. but that's the first thing we found, and that going back to that example of if like, if you're only going to serve twenty customers, you do it yourself. Mm. But but restaurants so often, in my experience, write schedules based on revenue. They write a Monday schedule or a Friday schedule, or they write oh. a three thousand dollars schedule or a ten thousand dollars schedule. Start writing your schedules based on the number of customers you're going to serve, mm. because it'll actually make the it'll likely make the number of staff you need lo- uh, lower. It'll make it less. Mm. Which means you can probably operate better with the team you have, right? And people often think, you know, I remember our teams all the time when I was in operations, they used to write these these Friday night schedules that are so packed with staff. Mm. And when we actually looked at it, we went, you're serving the same number of customers as Thursday. They're just spending more.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting too, right? Like, especially too, if you were doing, like, I remember our restaurant, we were more family during the week. Like, yeah. we were... So you know to me that my, in my mind it was like well these kids are just getting like a sippy cup of water or like you know a juice pouch we had for kids so that was a little bit easier didn't require as much but I was wrong because it meant more cleanup Like they were right. messier these like a different vibe as opposed to, to that's that's so true because they never looked at the actual count right like you can still you can still only do so much in that amount of time so right. looking at guest count is, is really important wow that's, that's wild I never thought of it that way.
1: Yeah, it, it's when we started looking at guest count, and this is a, something I always challenge the the restaurant operators that we work with. When you get once you understand the whole guest count versus staff concept, mm-hmm. actually trying to leverage productivity, our challenge to them is you're not going to ever look at labor cost percentage again until it's on the PL at the end of the month. You yeah. stop looking at it day to day because it doesn't matter. Just it's gonna fluctuate day to day, and that's out of your control. Because, like you said, the the kids that come in on Tuesday night. And order, you know, chicken fingers or you know a quesadilla. The average spend on that night might be twenty bucks, but on yeah. Friday, when it's date night, the average spend might be thirty-five. So your labor cost is going to fluctuate dramatically. Those, you know, depending on those yeah. two days, which is totally out of the control of a person running the shift. They might run a really good shift and have high labor because the customer decided to spend, you know, yeah, good quesadillas tonight.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's right. I mean, that's. That's a little bit then. Yeah, that's, that's really true. And I get it also cuts across all like from QSR to Michelin star restaurants, right? Like the, sure. it, it doesn't matter what type of restaurant it is. Interesting. So all this, all this data and all this information you have now, it sounds to me like you're ready to get into a restaurant game again.
1: <laughs> yeah, if I get the secret sauce now. Operator again. Yeah. yeah, Not so much. I don't think so. No. I mean, we, we, We're finding that there's, there's just, I mean, for one, it's a ton of fun to help other Mm -hmm. restaurant operators, right. And and help people who I find there's two different types of operations right now. There's the, the small restaurant group. I call them like regional mid market kind of thing, right. Small Mm -hmm. restaurant group, couple locations, privately owned. And if they had any debt going into COVID or they didn't respond quickly with takeout, they're, they're having a tough go and they need to sort of innovate and find ways to do things differently. So there's really good opportunity to help that type of group. Then there's the little bit bigger regional mid-market or even small chain type group that, you know, they were in good financial standing when they went into COVID. They, you know, had a good uptick on on takeout and they're going, they're probably calling you right now saying, how do I find new locations? Yeah, right. Right. Yeah. But they still, a lot of them are going, but we know we need to, you know, advance and innovate and look at things differently. So there's, uh, things are busy right now. There's lots going on and, and you know, I think it's it's kind of a good opportunity just to just, Again, to help the industry move forward. One of our sort of missions or whatever we say, you know, values, however you want to word it, is um it's about trying to help improve the career experience for the next generation of restaurateur. Mm. So that the next people who get like into that. it, the industry maybe is a little bit easier because it's a yeah. it's a grind. We all know that, right? Well, but, and
0: now that there's like this data, you have a whole group of people who, you know, presumably
1: want to work in the
0: industry and they're gonna be like, Hey, I'm used to data in life and figuring things out that way. So to have it as part of my job uh in the restaurant business makes a lot of sense because to ignore it is absolutely freaking crazy, right? When you have the technology to do it. And we're one of the only
1: industries that really
0: doesn't look at data and oh information, right? We're afraid of it. Dude, yeah. my God. My 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 ex partner was he was hellbent on we were like a elevated pizza pasta concept. Yes. And he was would love to make specials. very talented cook has worked in Michelin star restaurants and he would want to make a salmon special. And he'd be, like, oh my God, they we sold out. I'm like, how many do we have? He's like eight. I'm like eight effing salmon and we're gonna let's let's just calm down because it's bogging down the kitchen and we sold you know 300 of these pizzas, 250 of these salads. like there are other things we should be looking at here. But yeah. I, he couldn't shake it. Like he yeah. never wanted to look at the data, never wanted to look at it because he was there. He was just, you know, one of those creative types who wanted to do it. But yeah. data was not his thing for sure.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we could go down a whole nother uh a whole nother, conversation, yeah. whole nother rabbit hole about food cost and, and that kind of thing. But, you know, contribution, you know, food cost is one thing, but, you know, you got to know how much money you make off each venue item and sell the ones that you make money on. Yeah. Right.
0: Yes. Like uh, we had a Caesar salad that was like 12 bucks let we'll sell that all day long. This is the salmon where we're making three bucks on this thing at most, yeah. right? Like, yeah. so yeah, it's, it's, um, the information is there, right? It's like, it's the information is as good as you use it. And to your point before, to take a look at it from this angle, I mean, if things aren't working out, like if this is the time, if you're a restaurant owner and shit's not working out and you're not willing to look at some other way, like, hey, mm-hmm. I'm Jim. I'm from Benchmark 60. I have this whole new way of looking at things that might make me more profitable. And they're like, no, nah, we're good. Okay, well. All right. Keep my eye on the space because it's going to be available in like yeah. six months to a year. Are yeah. you seeing that in Canada too? Is there a lot of vacancies for second generation oh, yeah, restaurant vacancies? Really? Yeah,
1: for sure. There's. It's a combination of um, some small, you know, one-off places that didn't make it, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And there's also actually up here, there's quite a few of the bigger chains that just backed out of spaces. Yeah. Which is, it's actually creating kind of a cool opportunity for some of the regional mid-market type places. Oh, yeah. Here in Vancouver, there's, uh, there's at least five locations that I, like flagship type locations that I can think of that some of the bigger groups backed out of. Mm. And there's smaller, again, regional mid-market, like five to ten location groups have snatched those up. So, mm. I mean, there's oh, a really yeah. cool opportunity for them because, you know, three years ago, they wouldn't have had the chance to get those flagship spots. So, no. I mean, that'll be cool to sort of see how it shifts the industry.
0: Yeah, and a lot of you know it was it was smart like here in the states Starbucks, I forget how many they closed a ton of stores. Oh,
1: Tons, but they too. were
0: like like four hundred. I think it was like that was the number, and people were like, "Oh my God, look how bad this is!" I'm like, "This is a this is a strategic move. They, these were underperforming stores, and mm-hmm. this they can get out from under their lease. And yeah, it's an opportunity for a local. There's a local regional uh, a regional coffee guy here around who's been targeting these locations. Like, I'll take it. Mm-hmm. I'll take this infrastructure. I'll take the, what didn't work for them. So,
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah, that's a good point. It's a great opportunity for those people who who are in a position to to make a move, who who wrote it out and did the right thing. Yeah, yeah, wild. Well, Jim, let me let me ask you: What's the best way for somebody to get a hold of you if they're looking to uh, talk to you a little bit more about what Benchmark Sixty does?
1: Uh, honestly, probably LinkedIn's the best way. Um, you know, I'm just Jim Taylor on LinkedIn, right? But lots of our our, our stuff is on there. A little newsletter, um, you know, that kind of thing. We also do a, uh, we also run a platform for uh, hospitality pro, uh, professionals. I think you and I talked a little bit about yep. that. Yeah. The edge. Um, you know, it's just, I remember when I was in, in you know, going back to operations and like you said, it's a lonely world. It's trying to figure it out on your own. It's long, it's, you know, lack of resource sometimes. So we're trying to just build a cool little community that can help people Uh, they've got some questions and need some support so i mean that's another way to get a hold but yeah linkedin's probably the best way to spend a lot of time on there
0: yeah that's uh i definitely we got to follow up on on the edge stuff that sounds like a very cool i
1: love the community thing because
0: it's like being able to tap into a people who have like-minded individuals right like it's like going to the old school uh moose lodge back in the day but now we do it digitally
1: yeah yeah and, and it's you know it's fun that edge thing i think there's for one, it's about creating a community for, for people to connect and and you know that kind of thing. But we're trying to make sure we offer actually just good insights for people, too. You know, like did, had a really cool interview with a, a diversity and inclusion specialist the other day that we did on on there to mm. try and provide some, you know, not only if you're an executive in restaurants trying to figure out how to, you know, improve your company culture that way. But also, you know, what if you've, you're three months into restaurant management, you're the surprise manager and <laughs> you don't know how to deal with some of the stuff that's coming at you. Yeah. Right. Oh, There's yeah. you know, a really wide spectrum there. So, I mean, yeah, we can talk about that one all day too.
0: That's a, yeah. that's a bad spot to be in as a manager. Like, Hey, how do we do this? And the owner's like, I don't know. The old guy just used to do this. He's like, yeah, yeah but they, the staff says they don't like it. He's like, well, it worked for me. You're like, Oh man. Now if you change it, you're an asshole. If you don't change it, it's not working. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's, that's a, that is a tough spot to be in. Um. Yeah, well, Jim, but- thank you so much for the time, man. Now let's um. let's make sure we connect offline on the edge. And if you guys are looking for help, um, Jim and Benchmark60 60, Benchmark 60 team is ready to help you. Hit him up on LinkedIn. Um, I will put all his contact information in the show notes. And um, thank you so much again for the time. I appreciate it, brother.
1: Yeah, thanks, man. Thanks, go. All
0: right. Have a good one. And we're out. All right, guys, that's a wrap. Thank you, Jim Taylor from Benchmark60 for the time. And thanks for sharing your insight. Uh, You guys got to follow him on LinkedIn. He's got very thoughtful and um, really unique insight into a lot of different things. I am a big fan. He's a great guy. Um, Just overall good restaurant dude that you want to be friends with. And keep an eye out for him in the network if you're in the network. And if you're not in the network, it is is linked in the bio. So um, thank you again to Jim. See you guys in the network. And I'll see you later this week. Thanks.